1: What's up, everybody? It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you at a little bit of a special day and time, Tuesday evening, live show, and there has been, for their not being able to sign a lot of players, there's been kind of a lot of headlines around the league with the Cincinnati Bengals, and because that is all about the franchise tag the nfl combine that just uh went through the works here over the last weekend and all kinds of different things i'm anthony kazenza he's john sheeran john what's going on dude
2: it's tag tuesday man uh the nfl continues to show its absolute prowess and influence in american society they brought back the middle class man we have middle class quarterbacks now isn't that crazy
1: (laughs) middle class quarterbacks and there is some very, very, uh, you know, I guess, uh, tumultuous, entertaining, nebulous, whatever word you want to use, headlines surrounding. Yeah, no, yeah, nebulous is a good one. Ambiguous break, uh, break. in terms of one. AFC North quarterback, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, again, this is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Happy to be talking with all of you here as franchise tag deadline time came and went this afternoon. And John, the Cincinnati Bengals opted not to use one this year. Uh, there are maybe a couple of candidates. One, I guess most obviously being Jesse Bates, but as we have stated over and over again on this show and on anyone who would read or listen to what we have to say that was not going to happen for the second year in a row at all By some of the rumors and different things that are out there it's looking more and more like Jesse Bates is not going to return to the Bengals as we expected maybe even within the division with the Browns that's kind of a new rumor popping up there but the Bengals also did not They did not put the tag on Jermaine Pratt, who was potentially a candidate, a lesser expected one, I guess, than Jesse Bates, but they opted not to go that route either.
2: Yeah, I mean, Pratt would have been an even more expensive tagging for a single year than Jesse Bates would have been. And obviously, I don't think the Bengals have ever tagged a player two years in a row. that just very rarely happens to basically any player aside from maybe a quarterback or two. So, yeah, this was expected both these guys are going to enter the open market for the first time in their careers. And in all likelihood, they will find an offer that is probably bigger than the one that Cincinnati has on the table for them. If Cincinnati has an offer available for Bates or Pratt at all at this point. So I'm assuming like the, the offer for Bates is still there, but if he hasn't taken it by now, he probably won't. And this is going to be a case where it's like, yeah, see what you can get. If you can't find anything, you know, we're the is open for us, but this is free agency. And, every single year it's not just quarterbacks right every single year positional markets are typically larger than we expected to every now and then you might get a position or two that sees kind of kind of like a downward trend of what the the average market price is maybe maybe it stagnates a little bit but i i would assume that both of these guys are going to get near market level deals i I would assume jesse bates is going to reset the safety market i don't know if I can say the same about Jermaine Pratt, but I would be willing to bet that Jermaine Pratt's going to get an offer this time next week that is much larger than the Bengals are comfortable with.
1: Well, you you said, you know, go go see what you can get, if anything, out there. And I mean, I, I would take that a step further and just say, I think the attitude may, may even more so be go see what you're going to get out there. And if you are willing to potentially, you know, if you like what we're doing here, if you like the culture that we built here, bring that number back to us and we'll see if we're anywhere close or if we, you know, uh, what what we'll do. I I mean, I think that's at least for some of these guys. So Bengals do not use the franchise tag. Not a lot of teams did use the franchise tag this year, including some guys that, may or may not be on the Bengals radar. You got McGrary of um, Atlanta who did not get the the franchise tag. Orlando Brown did not get the franchise tag from Kansas city. Uh, Juwan Taylor, a guy we profiled as a free agent profile did not get the franchise tag from Jacksonville. That was kind of expected because I think they were a little tight on, on cap space and, and whatnot for that uh, situation. So a lot of different players out there are now set to become free agents. And uh, one other guy that did not receive the franchise tag, but uh, the Bengals apparently want him back. And this is an article, which, which is kind of, Funny to, to say, I mean, it's not funny that they want him back. It's funny because the Bengals, and we'll talk about this in a second, but they have been really doing their due diligence in this position group, at least with with the Combine and whatnot. But the Bengals would reportedly love to bring back Hayden Hurst. And this is these are quotes via Mike Petralia, who's uh, been on our show before, great guy who covers the Bengals. Uh, and he relayed John some... Interesting quotes here from Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator. I thought Hayden really stepped up and provided us a ton of value, by the way. Hayden Hurst, also um, the salute to service award finalist for the Bengals as well. So, you know, got that locker room. Uh, solid locker room guy thing going for him that uh, you know this team is and the coaches really dig uh, and have been trying to build since they've been here. But the quote continues, I didn't expect him to be probably as good as he was for us just because his tape was limited. We knew he had the capability of being a highly productive player. We weren't sure what it would look like for us. He came in and did a fantastic job being able to create explosive plays, he was really tough and physical in the run game, which is what we weren't sure we were going to get in that regard. I thought he really developed as a blocker. Um, and really, I mean, there's just more and more kind of compliments here. But at the end here, and hopefully we will find a way to get the guys that we like back. Um, and, you know, I exp- he also says, I expressed to him before we left how much he meant to our team and the energy he provided. So sounds like the Bengals are very bullish on bringing him back and wanting him to kind of potentially spearhead the tight end group that, again, that cupboard's looking really bare with Mitchell Wilcox. Again, he he probably will get tendered that exclusive rights uh, free agent situation that he's got going. But Hurst set to be a free agent. Drew Sample set to be a free agent. Technically, Mitchell Wilcox set to be a free agent. The Bengals are doing their due diligence at that position group. Like I said, we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But uh, they want Hurst
2: back. As they should. I mean, like you said, and like we've talked about a few times in the past month, they have next to nothing at tight end. I think officially uh, Mitchell Wilcox is a restricted free agent. So um, either they like place an original round tender on him, which is like two million or something, or they just let that expire, bring him back for vet minimum, which is just something that I think we could both. Yeah, I think I happen. said
1: exclusive rights. I, th- I think I meant restricted. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, it, it, Either way, like it's not going to be hard to bring him back, and it's not going yeah. to be very expensive to do so either, but they need some type of veteran presence and some type of proven commodity at the position entering the draft. Like I feel like there might be this false uh, idea of like, oh, the Bengals are either going to sign a guy like Hayden Hurst for agency or they're going to attack the position of the draft. And I feel like it's probably going to be both just because oh. of how deep the tight end class is. It's the whole mantra of like, oh, there's X amount of players with you know a top hundred or top fifty grade on them. Like there's a there's a couple of those positions every year, and tight end seems to be one of those positions this year. But they probably want to fill that position a lot better than they did in the past couple of years. So if you have a guy like Hurst, who you're really comfortable with, who you probably can produce even at a higher level next year, assuming that he's going to be healthier for the entire season and he's more comfortable with the role, like I feel like. This year was probably the floor of what they would expect Hayden Hurst to be. And I found those comments really interesting from Callahan. Like he was better than what they expected to be. I think fans maybe have had an inflated expectation of what Hayden Hurst could be. And he only had like 400 yards or receiving like a handful of touchdowns. He didn't, and we've talked about this a ton too. Like there wasn't a ton of examples of him really stretching the field. And oftentimes, you know, him and Burrow wouldn't really connect on some of those plays when they did connect, it was great. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's what this guy can do to, to, unlock the offense. But it was a lot of those short passes that he was taking uh, extra yards with yards after catch and yards after yeah. contact. And that was really his primary impact. So I feel like they can get even more out of Hayden Hurst. And it feels like Hayden Hurst wants to do that here. Like he's comfortable with the team. He's comfortable with the culture, the whole nine yards. Like that's, that's a situation where like, okay, we like this relationship. We want to extend it. And not often, Do the Bengals always, you know, sit on their hands and just take continuity instead of looking for a potential upgrade? But I feel like this is the case where it's not going to be that expensive to bring him back and they want to keep building off of what they did last year.
1: Yeah, it it was a lot of short, short routes that ended up netting positive yardage and a lot of, a lot like yardage. And then, you know, he would, he would kind of, truck over a guy or, you know, really kind of run through a couple of tackles a little bit and extend the play further than you would have thought. Um, there were a couple of instances, be it because of poor blocking in a situation, a misfire by Joe Burrow, or maybe some miscommunication. There were some, you know, seam routes and kind of deeper routes that just, like you said, were not connected on this year. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're, if they do bring him back, if that's going to continue to be kind of part and parcel of what the expectations are going to be next year. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think they, again, we've said this a lot. I know Duke Tobin's openly said this a lot. The Bengals don't want to go into the draft with a ton of needs. Um, They like to largely go best player available within the realm of, you know, kind of realistic possibilities. I mean, they're not going to go quarterback super early or anything like that. Um, So, you know, what, what they like to do is fulfill at least a a little more than the bare minimum of their roster needs going into the draft and then kind of go in there and say, okay, well, we've got, we filled out some areas. We may could use some depth and or different things, but they don't want to be short on starters at a lot of different positions or anything like that going into the draft. And so they are going to, Probably try and make a run at Hayden Hurst. I don't know what that contract would look like. I would assume it would still be on the shorter, shorter term side of things. And then probably also get a tight end in the draft. Probably also tender Mitchell Wilcox as well. I think they like what he brings from a special teams aspect and a backup guy, The guy who was kind of flashing a little bit towards the end of the year too. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts on Twitter and whatnot from fans that show hey the Bengals are taking two tight ends in this draft I don't know that that's going to be the case this year I could see one and probably before night two is over Um that, that's kind of where I where I see one being taken and then they're going to fill out the rest of the roster there that is of course again seeing as if they re-sign Hayden Hurst and uh, potentially get Mitchell Wilcox but that's kind of an interesting thing and we'll talk about This here because you will see a theme, ladies and gentlemen, in terms of who the Bengals have spoken to. A nice list here, I believe it is largely up to date, if not fully up to date, on Cincy Jungle in terms of all the reported meetings that the Bengals have had with prospects at the NFL Combine. And these reports come from a number of different outlets and whatnot. And here it is on Cincy Jungle. You can see here a nice picture of Duke Tobin on that article there, and I will pin this. This is from you, sir, um, uh, on here. And here's here's a list of a lot you can see here. And I know this is in positional order, but there are a lot of pass catching and or skill position offensive players being met with by the Cincinnati Bengals um, you know, some of the ones that really stick out to you here, uh, the, the two pac 12 guys to me, Tavian Thomas, a guy who was, you know, kind of known as the explosive player at Utah on the ground. Interesting, interesting player. We'll see, you know, there was some, I think some health stuff and some different things there that are, that have been going on, but uh, a guy that has a, brings a lot of excitement, Zach Charbonnet, a guy at UCLA who was previously at Michigan played the last couple of years at UCLA Kind of a do-it-all, just a solid all-around player. Probably going to be that round two, if not round three, maybe player. Uh, And then you you go down. Of course, they met with Kincaid, who did not work out. The tight end out of Utah, who did not work out at the uh, NFL Combine. Darnell Washington, the gigantic tight end from Georgia. Josh Wiley, the tight end out of Cincinnati. Michael Mayer, the consensus, I guess, still coming out of this. Uh, top tight end out of Notre Dame. Sam Laporta, a guy who really got uh, had a nice weekend there as well, the tight end out of Iowa. So a lot of guys, a lot of running backs, I, I believe six tight ends. Um, I, I think there's maybe one more that they had uh, noted that they met with as well. So six tight ends, a handful of running backs, a couple of wide receivers. They are looking to bolster their weaponry on offense.
2: Yeah, and these were just the reports of meetings that I saw. Uh, If you saw, if anyone watching this saw anything else with your own eyes, then it exists, and it's just not on this list. But, I mean, the takeaways are the takeaways, right? Running backs, tight ends, cornerbacks. Like, I mean, these are positions that we knew were going to be in the Bengals' eyes in this draft, and they typically don't try to hide these things, right? It's hard for teams to hide these things when they're public knowledge, and you only get 45, I think, formal meetings. A year, But, I mean, this is where the tight end interest kind of comes from. I mean, that's every single big-name tight end in this draft class. And I technically count two Bearcats on this list. Uh, Tavion Thomas was a Bearcat before he transferred to Utah and had some success there. But that's another thing, too, right? It's been a minute since the Bengals have invested any real draft capital in a running back. I you know the, the highest running back that they've taken since Joe Mixon was Mark Walden. Uh, I don't know where Mark Walden is now, Oh, Mark not Walden. last long here. So when the Bengals show interest in the running back group after four or five years of not really doing that, I I take notice of that. We, we've talked about this team loves second round running backs, regardless if there's a starter on the roster. So Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, I mean, those are legitimate targets for this team, I would assume in the second round. I don't think they're going to take Gibbs in the end of the first round, but he might not make it to the second round pick. But anyways, it just tells you kind of what their mindset is along with tight end and along with cornerback. It's always going to be a positional target for the Bengals in the first round, and it makes a ton of sense this year because of it's probably like the the second or first strongest class in in this whole entire draft class aside from tight end.
1: Can I tell a funny Mark? Well, it's not funny, I guess, but can I tell a Mark Walton story? I think you know this one, John. Do you know the Mark Walton story
2: regarding this I think show? So, but I want you to tell anyways.
1: Okay, so back in 2019, we were it was a very cool opportunity. We were, we were approached within like a week of each other uh, from the NFL PA Bowl that's out here in, in LA of both uh, interviewing Tyler Boyd and interviewing Mark Walton because Mark Walton, um, I, I think was uh, either had just been drafted. There was, there was something where he just was drafted or something like that. And so we got to speak with Tyler Boyd and um, that was awesome. And then we were getting set and I, I, I'm waiting to do the the interview with with Mark Walton. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. He doesn't show, he doesn't show, and is you know I'm getting oh he's he's going to come he's going to come uh, he's, he's going to be on with you soon. And it turns out that the day the day we were going to speak with him uh, at uh, an interview him was the day I believe he had what, what did he have the two or three arrests I can't even remember at this point. Um, but it was the it was the day after. Or, I guess the same day because he was arrested, you know, two, three in the morning, I believe. Um, (laughs) That day, uh, he was going to come on our show and he ended up uh, being arrested that day. And then, you know, the the snowball kind of went downhill from there and uh, he was no longer a Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, I always remember that um, for better or for worse, a little bit, that story with Mark Walton. And um, yeah, but at least we got to talk to Tyler Boyd. That was fun that's true <laughs> uh I, you know i don't even know um uh, all right, well let, let's let's get to this here i don't want to segue that into another situation directly but um mr whisper mr generosity we got to do something nice for this guy i feel like everyone is sleeping on cornerback as a bengals need we were one bad injury away from trotting out alan george out there um hey no 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 alan george slander here uh guy guy uh <laughs> guy showed showed uh, some good stuff and and made his way onto the roster there late in the year and who knows what the future is for here for him going forward hopefully he uh, makes a nice run at things going forward with the team here but if eli and cam taylor Britt hadn't both played while injured uh also do you think we draft a cornerback high or resign apple um I would not be surprised if they do another short-term deal with Eli Apple again, just to have, again, they don't want to go into the draft with glaring needs. And I don't know that the market's going to be heavy for a guy like Eli Apple. That's not necessarily a slight to him. I mean, we know there's downs with the, with the nice plays that he has, but I think also this just seems to be the best professional fit for him. Lou Anarumo, the Bengals and, and everything. It just seems to have been the best fit for him. So I think, There may be something on the table that's a short-term deal again just to say, hey, you know, we've got Chidobe Awuzie coming back from a knee injury, Um, uh, Cupboard's a little bare behind all of those guys there. Maybe we have him as kind of a a windfall in case we can't get the corners we're targeting early in the draft.
2: I mean, Mr. Whisper is 100% right. Like, the fact that Eli Apple's presence in the past two years has been, I mean, a godsend for this team. Like, based off of how he's played and the fact that he's, been with the team and able to to play like they've had unfortunate injuries and situations pop up at multiple cornerback spots and the defense has survived because Eli Apple has been a stable albeit sometimes inconsistent player but more times than not he got the job done and it's allowed the defense to stay afloat if you go into 2023 with I love Chidobe Wizu. I love him as a person. I love him as an athlete. Everything. He's coming off a torn ACL, and you never know how those things are going to go. He's a phenomenal yep. athlete, and I hope that his recovery is fine. But you don't you, you don't know until you know, right? And hopefully by right. the time camp comes around and preseason comes around, he's he's getting back into the swing of things. But if he's your starter, projected starter, along with Cam Taylor Britt, who again I think everyone assumes is going to take a take a leap. You don't know what can happen after that. They have nothing nothing behind any of those guys. And I'm not. I'm, don't want to slander Alan George here, but you want someone in front of Alan George on the depth chart, right? So if you're not going to bring back Eli Apple, which I mean it's probably fifty fifty at this point, like you need something. And if there's, if your two options are free agency in the draft, when the draft is this loaded at cornerback, and this team typically doesn't draft cornerbacks outside of the top two rounds, I think that speaks a lot about what's likely going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, you know that that's an interesting point, and I may backtrack a little bit on what I said because it may be a deal where Eli Apple doesn't get signed before the draft and the Bengals end up seeing what they can get for, you know, in the realm of quarterback cornerbacks in the draft. And then, you know, if he's still sitting out there, um, you know, or, you know, there's a, if he's still sitting out there, even, you know, closer to mini camps training camps and there's injury stuff or depth concerns, he may be a a late free agency signing, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I I don't want to underestimate the interest that will be out there for Eli Apple. It just seems that, you know, he's kind of a guy that if the Bengals want him, they should be able to get him and should be able to get him with, you know, somewhat relative ease and and maybe uh, down the road even if things fall a certain way. But thank you, Mr. Whisper, for your generous YouTube chat there. What we don't know, John, and I don't want to belabor this. I don't want to talk about this a lot. We've kind of avoided talking about the other stuff surrounding this particular player in person um, that that occurred apparently throughout, you know, around the postseason game and whatnot. Um, there was another reported incident uh, surrounding Bengals running back Joe Mixon. So I don't want to. I don't want to belabor a ton of stuff about this. I definitely don't want to be the one to accuse not accuse any of that stuff because I, I don't know that full details the full picture has emerged but there have been some details about this and of course it being pertinent bangle news i guess we got to touch on this at least a little bit to at least catch people up on what we know so far
2: yeah i didn't want to uh write an article about this until as much information as possible came out and that to me happened around like noon and that was uh at 8 30 At night, on Monday night in Anderson Township, which is where Joe Mixon lives, there were reports of shots being fired in his neighborhood. And then police responded to the scene just before midnight or or something. And they eventually uh, taped off the area surrounding Mixon's house with crime scene tape. I believe there was um, some investigation going on in this front yard. And then after midnight, deputies um, requested access inside his home. And they searched his home, and they investigated his home. Uh, His sister was was reached out to by Mike Dardis of WLWT. His sister said that Mixon was not involved in any of this. It's not known if Mixon was even home at the time. Like There's there's nothing tangible here that says that he was actually a part of any of this. But what happened was, again, reports of shots being fired, and a teenager or juvenile was taken to a local hospital with minor injuries. Again, we don't know what happened to him. It's a a ton of speculation. It's really unfortunate, though, because you saw a lot on Twitter like, oh, what did Joe Mixon do this time? But I mean, regardless of what happened a month ago in a completely separate incident, we just don't know enough about these things, about any of this, aside from just the facts that are being reported. And that's all that's been reported.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, uh, at least for the time being, was dropped. Uh, about a month month and a half ago and then you know you've got this situation and that's why sometimes being patient and not rushing to be first but being correct is the the, the right way to go about these things that's something john and i definitely strive for but uh, also i mean regardless i, I don't i don't want to go down this road entirely at this point but Two of these things, despite the outcome of it, in in a month during the offseason for a guy that we already know there was an issue a long time ago with him in college, but who has really been kind of a really nice redemption story in a lot of different ways throughout his pro career. And then, you know, these two things pop up suddenly at the beginning of this year um uh, i guess a little concerning particularly if you're the Cincinnati Bengals but i do think that they need to do their due diligence and figure out all the facts and details on this before you know any kind of knee jerk reaction or anything like that is is being done well
2: yeah i mean the football angle doesn't really have anything to do with any of this like joe mixon would be a potential cap casualty regardless of you know why he's in the news or or why he isn't right. in the news like this is just This is just independent things, and again, one of these things we don't even know if he was involved or if he was even present for the incident. So the Bengals will make a decision on Joe Mixon regardless of of what happens in the news or not.
1: All right. Well, the other piece of news before, and we do have a free agent profile. We're going to talk a little bit, I think, about the NFL Combine, what we saw from there as well. Guys that uh, were were intriguing here, Um, but the free agent profile will be coming up too. But before we get to that, John, there. was some big news within the division here, Lamar Jackson is uh sort of signed to the <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, Uh has a form of the franchise tag. It's kind of like, to me, it's almost the transition tag on steroids a little bit, it sounds like. But at any rate, Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. So, He is franchise tag. This has been a deal that's been in a stalemate for a while now. Of course, the way the year ended for the Ravens at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals, but the way the year ended uh, for the Ravens, namely in the way that Lamar Jackson's injury was handled, not handled, and all kinds of different perceptions with that uh, just could not come to a long-term deal. My assumption is obviously they will still try to do that here, but what happens here is that he can kind of be shopped around or he can shop himself around a little bit. And if, you know, he, someone signs him to an offer sheet that can be presented then to the Baltimore Ravens and they kind of have the right of first refusal, right? I mean, they can, they can sit here and say, yeah, we'll, we'll match that or we'll better it or whatever. Um, or they can say, thanks, but no thanks. Give us those two first round picks now X team, um, and Lamar Jackson would go to another team. The tag does have a $32.41 million salary um, for for that season. Um, so at, at any rate, really, really interesting situation here for the Baltimore Ravens' Lamar Jackson. And, you know, there, there are people also out there going, oh, the Dolphins are going after him. Well, I don't, I don't know the Dolphins have two first-round picks, right? Uh, the Falcons reportedly say they're not interested, which you, <laughs> you and I talked about, like, But right before we went on the air, it's like, why the hell are the Falcons not interested in this? This seems like based on the offense they ran last year, this is the guy. This is the exact guy they would want. Um, So really, really weird situation. And doesn't who knows where he's going to land at this point? Probably back in Baltimore. But I don't know.
2: Yeah. Two things are going to happen here. Either no team uh, offers a competitive offer to him and Baltimore controls his rights and he likely holds out. Or a team comes in, swoops in with a deal that he's looking for, and the Ravens take the two first-round picks. None of none of the potential futures involve Lamar Jackson signing a multi-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens because for months now they've been separate or apart in the negotiations by the range of like a hundred billion in guaranteed money or something ridiculous like that. Like there are reports that he wants something similar or more than what Deshaun Watson got from the Cleveland Browns, as is his right. He represents himself. Go get your bad king. Don't waver on this. And it seemed like the correct thing to do up until, I guess, an hour ago when every single (laughs) report is like, yeah, this Team X and Team Y and Team Z aren't interested in Lamar Jackson. And on the surface, it's okay, just don't want to give up two first-round picks for a potentially more expensive version of Deshaun Watson's contract for this quarterback who recently got hurt. But, If Like the Falcons specifically, man, if they were willing to sell their souls for Deshaun Watson, why wouldn't they do the same for a quarterback who at this point right now is probably better than Deshaun Watson? It's very weird how no team right now essentially wants him aside from maybe the Raiders. Like there was a report from Diana Rossini who said that they're keeping all options on the table, including Lamar Jackson. But again, this is eight days before he can quote unquote officially negotiate with these teams. So we'll see if anything picks up. But right now it is kind of bizarre, but I think if you can read between the lines a little bit, you can start to read something that's a little fishy going on. Uh,
1: I just wonder about the relationship between he and the Ravens at this point, right? I mean, this has been strung along for a long period of time. Some of the, I don't know if you want to call them accusations, but some of the things hinted at uh, with his handling of the injury and everything from that side, the team side of the fence, and you know, the media and all that, they cover the team. I mean, there are some not so kind things that were alluded to with him and how he was doing that. And um, you know, of course there is the knock of a, a postseason kind of lack of success with him overall. But uh, I mean, he's a hell of a player. We know that to me, Atlanta, like you said, Atlanta, I mean, number one, that's the system. I mean, it just seems like a guy you're like, you know, you're, you're putting out Mariota, you're putting out, you, you drafted Desmond Ritter. This is a guy that, you would think would do a lot of the same things and then some for you and then on top of that oh by the way they went after a guy last year super high stakes and this player is as good if not better and doesn't have a lot of the baggage that the player they went after <laughs> had so i you know there there is a lot to unpack here and i don't know where this goes between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. If that, if kind of the good faith negotiations are just done at this point, if they both sides kind of knew that this was where this was going to go, it may end up being a deal where he gets, you know, an offer sheet from somebody and the Ravens end up matching it. And then here, here you go. There's here's your long-term deal. But uh, this is, this is kind of a rocky situation. I would think between those two clubs and I don't mean to like overblow it. It just seems like this has been an ongoing saga for so long now.
2: I mean, that's just, everything that we've heard about this there's no reason to assume that it's malarkey at this point like they, they've just been so far apart in these negotiations for a long time that i, I like the the deadline was the deadline and that was today and they still can not do it and typically deadline spurs action you saw with the seahawks and geno smith the giants and daniel joe i believe agreed to a deal like four minutes before the official window closed and obviously yep. the situation is a little different and maybe they haven't been going on for as long as lamar and there's a lot maybe Fewer complications to entail with that, but I think from just an AFC North perspective and the Bengals' perspective, like I don't think Lamar is playing for the Ravens ever again. Even if they control his rights for the foreseeable future, I think he's going to he's just going to bide his time until someone kind of saves him from this.
1: Well, we are in the in the presence of greatness and uh, fame. Fortune, intelligence, all of that, and what what timing? Because he's probably going to see me break down this free agent, and tell me what a dummy I am. Because Mister Joe Goodberry is in the house, and he is one of our good buddies, and one of the best in the business. Good to be uh, seeing him in the in the live chats here. Joe, come on the show sometime, Joe. It's been a while, been too long, especially with draft season, buddy. You got to come on the show. Um, miss you, but at any rate, a lot of stuff going on with the Cincinnati Bengals and. In free agency, a lot of stuff and a lot of drama going on with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We'll have to see how that all develops with everything on that side of things. But uh, this should be, once again, a really, really interesting free agency period for a lot of different teams. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can get this show on a number of different platforms, including our YouTube channel. You can subscribe via the show link underneath John and by that SB Nation Cincy Jungle logo there. Click that. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. Of course, you got to give us a, a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page with about 80,000 other followers on that one. We stream live there. We stream live on our YouTube channel. And then, of course, we uh, are also available on every major audio channel. This show, Matt Minnick's Coach Speak and Chalk Talk, as well as Bengal Jim and Friends Talking Football all of which on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Get get it how you can. And if you if you would be still so inclined, leave us a review. And uh, we would appreciate that. All right. Well, now I'm nervous because Joe's Joe's got, got me uh, a little nervous about my
2: He's just the man analysis a here.
1: Brain. Yeah, he's a he's a man, a mythologist. Love you Joe. So let's let's get to this here. Uh, as we know, and as or as we think we know, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be in the market for an interior defensive lineman. And, you know, what that may look like can vary. I mean, last year they drafted Zachary Carter, who was kind of an edge guy. They played him inside. They played him a little bit outside later in the year. Um, they had Larry Joby, who was kind of doing three-tech stuff, but he was kind of big for that position. They've had in the past a Geno Atkins, kind of a lighter guy. We've talked Kalijah Kansi, a guy who really lit up the combine. We'll talk about combine stars in just a, a couple minutes here. But, you know, and he's on the smaller, lighter side as well. True th- three technique. What might the Bengals do here? Are they going to kind of get that true only three technique? Are they going to get a versatile guy? Or are they going to do something different? Just, to, you know, wh- what are they going to do here? Um, a lot of different options. The bottom line is, you know, it, it seems, John, you and I have talked about Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard have had a high, high volume. I, hell, go back and watch our, our interview last year with Sam Hubbard. He talked last summer about, you know, the high volume of snaps that he and Trey took last year uh, towards the end of that year when Larry O oh went down. So, uh, you know, you've got Joseph Osai emerging on the edge now uh, in year three for him you've got bj hill locked down you're trying to tinker with things with zachary carter but who's what's what's a piece that they could add here potentially in free agency well there's a number of different guys there's sheldon rankins out there who's kind of that true smaller three technique guy there are some other big names out there i kind of went with this guy who's maybe right in the wheelhouse for the cincinnati Bengals when they go to outside free agency um tier two, tier three type of guy. Now this guy at at the position that I'm going to present to you here, he is on PFF's interior defensive line uh, free agents list as uh, their number, I think he's number five of interior defensive linemen that are out there. So a guy, you know, he's not going to be a star name, but he's a guy that could come in and fill something for the Bengals here going forward and that is going to be Zach Allen a guy who has played the last handful of years for the Arizona Cardinals and uh, just kind of a, a a tweener guy he was an edge player at Boston College he kind of transitioned he was doing some edge stuff in for the Cardinals he they moved him to the interior they tried to bulk him up the past couple of years you could see here he he was about 64 265 Bulked up to about 280, 285. He's 25 right now, turns 26 in August. He's entering his fifth season. He was a pick atop the third round, number 65. He went to Boston College. Now there's a reason why he fell to the third round. Some people thought he might have, uh, early in the process, might have gone earlier. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Did not run a good 40 at all for a guy that was an edge defender or perceived to be an edge defender in that draft. So the Cardinals had a specific plan with him. He's a guy that ended up playing a little bit on the edge for him. JJ Watt ended up taking him under his wing a little bit, you know, JJ obviously edge player, but he'd kick inside every once in a while too. So this is a guy that, you know, he kind of took under his wing in that regard. You can see there 11 and a half sacks in his career, but five and a half last year, 21 tackles for, for loss, 10 last year. 43 quarterback hits in his career 20 of those last year three fumble recoveries all those were a couple of years ago 35 quarterback pressures last year that was a big jump for him last year and you see the pff stats 70 plus pass rush rating a 60 plus run defense rating and a 72.7 overall rating now we're going to look at some plays i slowed these down a little bit we may go back and watch so you can see here he's gonna he's gonna kind of loop around and get in here um, uh, on this play here. A lot of the plays he, here he is right here in the middle. If you can see my cursor, uh, and he's gonna loop around. Now a lot of the plays you're gonna see from this guy are are, are plays that um, sometimes they're they're on slower developing passes or they're on plays where you know he kind of hustles. It's kind of a hustle sack. Really kind of a criticism that when you if you remember when Trey Hendrickson was signed by the Bengals they thought it was you know kind of a cleanup sack a coverage sack type of situation so some of that you see at least on some of these plays here this is against Trey Lance I slowed this one down for folks as well here he's kind of up at the top here there there is another defender outside of him but here he is over here uh coming off the edge nice recognition and that's a that's a sack on Trey Lance there so uh good re- recognition on the RPO you see here, he's off the edge up at the top of the screen here, Fumble by Russell Wilson, scoops that up and scores. So nice kind of Johnny on the spot play right there. And then I think this next one here is going to be a batted ball against Baker. So he kind of gets up there, shows a little bit of that uh, prowess there against the Panthers. Nice play there. Um, and then this one, a little harder to see this is against Jalen hurts here. You can see, you know, Jalen, obviously great athlete does a lot of stuff in the pocket, but you can see here, this is just a scramble, 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 scramble. And he just doesn't give up on the play shoots in there and makes the play at the end there. So, you know, kind of a lot of these hustle plays. Now this is where I want to kind of uh, focus. Um, this is of course from Kentley Platt. Um, the uh, talking about the RAS score, you look back at 2019 as a defensive end here, John, overall ras score and a lot of that has to do with look at that 40 yard dash a five flat 40 um so you can see there a 517 ras as an edge player so the cardinals saw tools that they liked but they didn't see the get off they didn't see the speed and all of that that they wanted out of an edge guy they saw a guy who could potentially do some things and disrupt things in the middle of the defensive line maybe at times move outside to to make some plays but a guy again as a defensive tackle when you look at the RAS look at that one 9.12 with the measurables that he shows there um you know 64 280 and uh you know you could see so, okay speed good speed in certain aspects great explosion elite agility so a really nice RAS score from a, a def- interior defensive line standpoint. So here's kind of some overview stuff that I saw. He's versatile. They moved him around a lot on a defensive line. He showed solid improvement last year. Uh, he's a supporter, not a star on a defensive line. So this is a guy that would come in and do different things on a defensive line. He's not the anchor guy. He's, you know, and it would show that by a contract that he would probably get, he might be affordable, but there is going to be an inflated defensive line um, and, and interior defensive line contracts this year Uh, fit and scheme. Does that fully work with what the Bengals are trying to do? Do they want kind of the smaller, just true three technique type of type of guy, or do they want a guy that can move around a little bit? Um, So those are some of the questions I had with, with him and some of the overview things that I had with him, but a a guy, I think again, supportive piece, uh, rotational piece, a guy you can move around here and there and and maybe spell the occasional snaps off the edge from from a guy like like Hubbard but a a guy who you know has decent play recognition you know uh, does a lot of hustle plays has shown some nice improvement as a pass rusher this last this last season Um, and you know a, a guy that just intrigues me a little bit for the Bengals especially because they want more pass rush help and a guy that could be relatively affordable in an inflated market.
2: Yeah. So we have a lot of comments saying that Zach Allen's a lot like Sam Hubbard. And I understand that from like a play style standpoint. Um, But I love the fact that you mentioned Trey Hendrickson because his arc and maybe his profile as a free agent reminds me a lot of him Hendrickson two years ago. Not, not, not just because maybe, you know, racial bias or anything like that, but the fact that he just, he just elevated his play at the right time and his contract year doesn't look a lot like his first three years in the league. Obviously you want your guys to be progressing as they go on and and whatnot, but you also are weary of the fact that maybe one season is an outlier. And how much do you bank on that? Just being development and peaking at the right time, 25, 26 years old. Like it's, it's the same trajectory as Trey Hendrickson. Like he won as a pass rusher just more often this year. And I I remember like the the whole argument with Hendrickson was that a lot of his sacks weren't, that of high quality, right? It was a lot of hustle stacks, right. and that's kind of the thing with Zach Allen, too. Now, his stacks totals and volumes aren't going to be that of an edge defender just because he plays inside, so that's, I guess, the, the difference when you're looking at it just from a broad standpoint, but I, I just see similarities in that sense, and that's why the Bengals got a lot of criticism with Hendrickson back in, in 2021 when they paid him $15 million per year, and that might be what Zach Allen ends up getting on the open market this year just because that's just the way that things go, right? So uh, the price is probably the biggest thing here. Like, I don't know how much the Bengals are going to shell out for a, a third defensive tackle to rotate in with B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader. They obviously need some type of long-term presence there because Hill's only under contract for two more years. is a free agent after the season, but you're not asking Zach Allen to be a nose tackle anyways. No. So the price is definitely the biggest thing here. I, th- I think as a third defensive tackle, he'd be, he'd be great. And again, that trajectory is something the Bengals are familiar with. It's almost eerily similar, how similar they are. But again, I I I think just because of what the market is at defensive tackle this year, I think he's gonna a little bit more than the Bengals are comfortable with.
1: He he might be especially for a guy that you know is not going to supplant BJ Hill as a starter is not going to supplant one of the edges as a starter he would be a guy that would be a heavy rotational guy like what they did with Larry Joby. now different size profile and all of that obviously Larry O I think had probably 40 pounds on him uh but so different size and and Larry O's get off his first first couple of steps were very very explosive whereas you know this guy's 10 yard split isn't that that great it is pretty good for a defensive tackle I suppose but um you know I, it's he would be a guy that maybe falls through the cracks a little bit uh in the market maybe people fall in love with a sheldon rankins because of the name and a little bit of earlier production i think rankins had a a couple of injuries with the jets on that other contract he signed by the way the Bengals were interested in him a couple of years ago as well Rankins, so this is a guy again that would kind of be uh, to use a baseball term, a utility player along the offensive line and a heavily utilized utility player on the defensive line. You know, a, a guy that would, would spell B.J. Hill here and there. You can, you know, if you're blitzing someone else off the edge, he can play, you know, an edge, he can spell. Hendrickson Hubbard, you know, and, and, uh, you know, do a little edge work there. And I think kind of be a guy that, um, you know, you, you saw this work for the Bengals in years past, you know, Wallace Gilberry was a guy that would play inside and outside for the, for the team. And maybe this is a guy that would do that and just kind of be a a heavy rotator and a, 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 valuable, you know, to use a basketball analogy, sixth man, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And we can never discount the Bengals continuous interest and just stacking the defensive line like they've always been willing to invest a ton of their cap cap room and cash into that position group and it's why like I would expect outside of offensive tackle like defensive tackle's probably where you're going to see some type of I don't want to say like notable signing because they're not going to sign a guy in the first couple of days for agency but a guy that wants or will probably contribute for a significant role here like it has to, you know, obviously the draft is going to impact that as well. And there are some guys I think a lot of Bengals fans are interested in, specifically in the first couple of rounds. But, like, they just needed that extra little umph from the inside to just give them a boost. Because B.J. Hill D.J. Reed are great starting tandem, but you just need that explosiveness. And you, you can see the value in having a guy that can push the pocket up the middle. And, you know, it, it, Zach Allen's a great guy to, to, to highlight because I think a lot of the qualities that he has is a lot of the things that the Bengals – typically value and again it'll it'll all come down to price but it makes a lot of sense from from just the broad standpoint
1: and uh you know i don't i'd have to look up the the heights of the other quarterbacks in the division um but i don't think that any of them are the big six 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 seven you know towering monsters that we've seen from big ben and whatnot so having a six four guy potentially in the middle to to you know get his hands up and take away a passing lane that's always a valuable stat or a valuable asset as well for a defensive lineman too so a guy that you know again I don't think he's he would if he was to be signed I don't think a lot of fans would it would move the needle a ton for a lot of fans but I think it would be a nice uh depth plus signing a a guy that would provide good depth and would provide extra uh, a little extra juice on the defensive line from different spots but again it's what the Bengals want out of the next defensive lineman they want to sign and how, how far they think they can continue to develop Zachary Carter, particularly in year two, because he's a guy that's kind of doing the same thing a little bit in and out uh, in and out for them. But but, uh, a guy that I kind of looked into a little bit recently and uh, thought I'd break down for everybody. Yeah, man. Pretty solid combine. Let's go, John. What uh, we talked on Friday with the listener questions, about Kalijah Canty, a guy that um, you know was, was kind of lighting some things up and different players were going to go throughout the weekend. Who else, as the weekend progressed, kind of jumped out at you, um, hopefully positively, but maybe negatively, uh, especially as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals?
2: There were some fast offensive tackles, man. Like, particularly two, uh, Darnell Wright and Anton Harrison. The latter was just mocked twice, I believe, to the Bengals today from Todd McShay and Dane Brugler, two guys who were- Kind of in the know when it comes to the draft. Um, But I think with Wright specifically measuring in at 330 plus pounds and running a 50140, looking the part on tape too. Like, I know it's just the, it's the narrative of, or not the narrative, but like it's the cliche of, oh, the combine is just for confirming what you see on tape. But that's precisely what Darnell Wright did. He just looks so fluid and so fast for being so big and apparently only starting like, I don't know Baker's dozens worth of games at the SEC, and he's only 21 years old. He was a guy that's been projected like between picks 20 and 40, testing that well at that size and just confirming what you see on tape. I, and being an offensive tackle, like I, I feel like he's probably not going to make it to 28 now, which brings Harrison into the conversation as well. He ran like I think a 4.98. He ran a little bit faster than Darno, right? And i measuring a little bit smaller, I think like 315 pounds. He's pretty much the same exact size as like Jonah Williams only had, I think he has got slightly longer arms than 34 inch arms but a much better athlete right but a lot a lot quicker um, i think probably a higher upside guy when it comes to run blocking and everything there's a great video with him breaking down film with Brandon Thorne, and everyone should go check that out but again another guy who probably tested out of the range for the Bengals to pick him at 28 but Dan Brugler had him at 28 right now and it's just going to it's going to be it's going to be a matter of when that run for offensive tackles kind of happen and that's something the Bengals could to keep in mind. Like, I don't think they can go into the draft expecting one of Wright or Harrison to be available to them now.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, for me, I I had a, just a, because the Bengals were visiting with so many of the guys at the position. Um, and there's just, this is a really, really stacked position group in this year's class. Uh, you know, kind of had a close eye on, the, the tight end group and you know Washington made that one crazy catch and drill <laughs> and I mean I really would have liked to have seen what what Kincaid would have ran, even if he did limited stuff if he just would have ran. I, I would really have been interested in that. But uh, you know I think he wants to be fully healthy and and all of that. I was of course gutted to see what happened to Andrew Voorhees. Um, you know, and the fact that he went out there and put up what close to 40 reps on the bench with a freaking torn ACL or whatever uh that was unbelievable but you know that's probably going to be a guy that you take a late round flyer on and hope that you know you've got something uh you kind of struck gold for 2024 with him as he heals up uh, really really shame uh, what would happen to him in terms of corners one guy that I think is um uh, kind of uh, interesting to me and he would be a probably at this point a mid round pick. I'm seeing his name on a lot of mocks, and obviously, I, I knew a little bit about him going into the uh, going into the the combine. Is uh Travius Hodges Tomlinson, um, small guy, 5'8, 178. Uh, a, a guy that uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you're connecting the dots, but he went to TCU and his last name's Tomlinson. He's Ladanian's <laughs> nephew. So, in case you didn't catch that one, he, he's Ladanian's nephew, but ran a 441 uh 39 inch vertical jump 11, uh, 11 foot broad jump didn't do much on the bench just 12 but uh, you know a guy i think could be a you know if we're talking about kind of non obvious guys a guy that i feel like could have been uh, a, you know could be a guy that is a nice depth piece a, a guy that could um, you know bring bring something to to a defense uh, I, I he's probably a guy i want to break down a little further and maybe put something out here on, on a future episode, but I guess just the lineage, um, you know, he had some, some decent production. He's small. So a guy to me, but, but ran well, right. Um, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a guy who's a little smaller, maybe you're thinking, Oh, maybe he's going to be a slot corner guy. And sometimes those aren't the fastest guys on the field, but this guy's this guy ran well. So, um, I don't know a guy that that's kind of intriguing me a little bit. And I want to look a little more into
2: he's like, almost exactly the same size as Andrew Hawkins like 5'8 175 I think less than 30 inch arms but that athleticism that's that's genetic right there's just right. so many there's just so many good cornerbacks in this draft it would be it would honestly be a crime if the Bengals didn't take one i think they're gonna
1: i think and knowing them they will probably my guess if let let's play this game a little bit if you let's and we'll start closing up here we'll drop the mic a little bit all right if you were to say okay tight end just right now before free agency and by what round at the latest, do you think that they will invest in tight end fourth round? Okay. I will say third, um, cornerback. I think they double dip and I would say probably no later than the third round. Um, and probably again in the fifth or sixth round,
2: no later than second. Honestly, it's my favorite to go in the first, to be honest with you. Really? Really?
1: Okay. Um, and then you know do you think even with I mean they invested if you look at last year Cordo Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa um I mean do you think that they use an early pick on interior offensive line I think I think it's probably corner tackle early a corner tackle tight end's got to be probably your first three picks in some order
2: Yeah I think tackles is just such a mystery to me because I, again I I don't think it it's that that deep of a class like like there's some guys that I think probably interest you but I just feel like they're going to be forced to address it at least somewhat in free agency and they're going to see if one falls and if one does fall in the first round like a Harrison or a Ryder there like I feel like or a Dewan Jones if you want to play that card I feel like they would definitely be tempted and they might just pull the trigger there but I feel like it's either going to be like a first and second round pick or they're not going to address it at all offensive tackle specifically
1: Well, I guess we could start uh, closing up a little bit because we're coming up against it. Somehow this this show kind of flew by, but it's been been a really fun one, really good one. Victor, uh, Victor Pate. uh, Hopefully I'm saying your last name, Victor Pate, Victor Pate. I don't know uh, your last, but I I know he comments a lot on our videos and thanks for the support and the generous YouTube uh, super chat there, Victor. Burrow is the linchpin for everything. When is the soonest he can be signed? Your thoughts, please. Uh, That's... That's got to be top of the list of priorities for the Bengals this year. And I think, um, you know, they will. It's one of those things that they like to do in the summer. They like to get them done in the summer. Those core players that are, you know, a year or two away from free agency there. And they like to get those deals done, locked up and structured in a way so they can make long-term plans and also keep the guys they want long-term. So that has to be high, high priority, if not, I mean, arguably the highest priority, even with free agency in the draft this offseason.
2: When is the soonest he can be signed? Right now. Whenever. As yeah. we're doing the show, right? Um, no, I, I think... Because we kind of talked about, like, you know, if he's going to be signed before or after free agency starts, that may affect things. I I honestly don't think it probably will at this point. I, I just don't foresee, the like, the Bengals doing anything that resembles what they've done in free agency in the past couple of years just because they know that that cash is going to Burrow and they want that cash going to Higgins um there's obviously the the whole escrow rule and if they wait until after the month of march uh then they have basically 364 days to put that cash into an escrow account and again like they have a good idea i think at this point of what the contract is going to look like and it's just a bunch of crossing 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 t's and dotting i's so I, i don't think the timing really impacts how much cap space they're expected to have this free agency so like there's no real rush, but obviously if you are the first to sign over guys like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, it gets, puts you at an advantage because then you create the new baseline and those are guys are going to want to exceed it because that's just what happens, right? So obviously you want to be the first from the team perspective, but from like a salary cap perspective and maybe a cash perspective, even if we want to go as far as that, I don't think there's a necessarily a huge rush right now.
1: Yeah, and you know they may they may also again kind of see who they're able to keep and sign and and stuff in a a, you know week or so here, so um, that that may play into a little bit. But I think I think a frame, you know, some of the framework probably is known, or you know, they've got in their mind's eye, you know, a a pretty good outline of what they're what they're looking at here, and then it's just going to kind of continue from there and, and hammer out more details but uh, I, I i mean i don't really have fears that it's not going to get done i don't know about you john i i, I kind of get the feeling that the Bengals are going to do everything they need to do to get that dialed in
2: <laughs> i i remember thinking like a couple of years ago when people were kind of scared about jesse bates and like no like jesse bates he's on these he's in these promo ads like these jerseys for sale like they're going to prioritize him and then they didn't and that was kind of like a minor shock to me That like, there's there's no reason to feel that way about Joe Burrow, right? Like this is just what they do. It's 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 just what they do. They pay quarterbacks, and they're gonna do it for him.
1: It's what they do. It's who they pay. That is correct. All right, let's drop the mic and get out of here, man. I know that was kind of a little bit of a mic drop, but uh, what do you got for us?
2: Nothing much other than I'm posting content with uh, a to z sports dot com backslash Cincinnati. Uh, I'll have like a a handful of articles up a day with ranging various topics. So if you wanna. Want to help me out and help us out over there? Give us a click there, and obviously continue going to Cincy Jungle. But you know, stop by A to Z from time to time. I'm officially writing for them. Of
1: course, of course, yeah. awesome stuff, John, and uh, congratulations once again on that move for you, my friend. Stoked for you. Um, I don't really have too much. I kind of spent it all with my free agency, <laughs> free agency spotlight, I guess. Uh, but I, I just again, uh, we we got some extra super chats. Tonight which is awesome and uh, of course good Good to see Mr. Joe Goodberry in the in the Live chats there too but uh, appreciate the Generosity of you all doing that um, You know I can't, can't thank you all enough for the support you've Shown me, John Both of us, the show, everything So continue uh, If you feel so inclined continue That's uh, so gracious of all of you And of course go support John over At ADZ Sports as well as he is Going to be writing up all kinds of cool content Over there Uh, we're gonna get out of here this was a fun one this uh somehow this hour flew by but uh we're gonna keep coming at you with a lot of different stuff on this show we're gonna keep getting you all kinds of different content on cincy jungle and the podcast channel so keep it here john have a good week man we'll uh we'll catch up soon and get more info to the peeps
2: yep talk to you guys later.